You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a big world out there, and you're just looking for a pat on the back or head. You run around the city, searching for a place to bark, working your tail off with your nose to the ground, sniffing for a few scraps, hoping someone will throw you a bone. You take each lead, collar after collar, hoping one day to take a bite out of success and become the top dog. Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of a TV set. You know you've got it good, really good, because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me today are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do? And in this podcast, we're going to talk to you about some myths, myths as in (laughs) (laughs) M-Y-T-H-S, not a young woman, but legends, theories, urban stories, whatever you want to call them. Misinformation that keeps getting passed around. Yeah, misinformation. That's a good one. Concerning dog behavior. And some of these are pretty serious because one of the primary reasons why most dogs are given up by their owners is because of bad behavior, behavior problems. So we'll take a look at uh, several of these. So stay tuned, take a listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where healthy pets go. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. 
So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. We're talking about several different behavior myths or misunderstandings that we often hear about. These, if you would like to look at an article, the article, if you Google it, is called 10 Life-Threatening Behavior Myths in Dogs by Valerie Tynes, DVM, uh, D-A-C-V-B, so she's a veterinarian. She addresses the myths and her answers. We're going to talk about the same myths, but we're going to give our own scoop on it, which might be a little bit different. But you can Google the article, 10 Life-Threatening Behavior Myths in Dogs, and uh, see the, the article in its entirety. So anyway, let's take a look at one. One that we hear about in class all the time. My dog must be angry with me when he gets in trouble because he knows what he did was wrong. <laughs> now, we hear that all the time. We hear it a lot. Sometimes it relates to the dog peed on my bed because he was mad at me, or he chewed up my shoe, or he got... He met me at the door with his head hanging low. With a guilty look on his face. Because he knew that he shouldn't have pottied in the house. So, let's take a look at this from the dog's point of view. You leave him alone, you come home from work, and sometimes you walk in the door, or you walk out into the backyard if he's left in the backyard... And you start screaming and hollering and ranting and raving. Oh my god, I can't believe you dug out that plant. You horrible dog, you. Why did I even get a dog? (laughs) So, this happens more than a couple times, and pretty soon your dog's going to start greeting you at the door with a very submissive look. He's going to be crouched, his head may be low, his ears may be back, his tail may be tucked. We tend to read that as a guilty look, especially if there's damage, whereas the dog is simply being submissive. He's going, you know, a lot of times when my mom or dad comes home, they're in a really bad mood, so I'm just going to look all submissive and cute, and maybe they won't get mad this time. And the owner walks in and looks all over, can't find anything wrong, goes, I know you did something wrong because you have that guilty look. Even though they can't find a darn thing now. Right, right. But the same body language is with the dog. See, I always think of it as the dog is hedging their bets. (laughs) Well, you know, most, or even once or twice, they've come home and gotten mad at me. I'm going to hedge my bet and I'm going to apologize first. Yeah. Whether I did anything wrong or not. Yeah. So one time the dog will be submissive and he won't get yelled at and he'll go, Yay, that behavior worked. And the next time he'll be submissive and the owner will yell and the dog will go, see, I was right. So the dog isn't looking guilty. So put that out of your head. He's not guilty. Plus, we, you know, people always view a dog's behavior through their own lens. Right, right. So right. We, I worked with someone today. We worked the dogs hard. And they're not used to being worked mentally as well as physically hard. And at the end of it, we released the dogs, and we were doing final, and she goes, oh, he went into the bedroom. Oh, he's sulking because he worked so hard. I said, why are you looking at it that way? I said, he's tired. He wants to go relax where it's quiet and kick back. 
and have some downtime. He's earned that. Yeah. Oh, really? It could be that? I said, yeah. All of a sudden, you're looking at it through the lens of you need to feel guilty that you worked him so hard. I'm looking at it. Cool. He's not getting into trouble for the next hour because he's nice and relaxed and calm. Mm -hmm. Oh, she said. So anyway, look at it from a different lens if you can. Or ask someone else to look at it. Right. Not all. Yeah. (laughs) Hi. Okay. One of my least favorite myths. Puppies should not go to puppy classes until they've had all of their shots or they will get sick. Oh, I addressed that with someone on an email today. And she says she had contacted me before about starting our puppy class in the beginning of January. And she said her dog was going in for his second shot. She took him in for the shot today. And she emailed me and she said, my vet says he can't come to class until he's had his last shot, which won't be for another month and a half. And I said... I've even had a vet say that not until after they're four months of age. Not until after they've had rabies. Well, this puppy will... That's when he has his last shot. He'll be over four months. And I said, well, one, I can't argue with your veterinarian. But give me his name and number so I can. (laughs) But I gave her a website, which unfortunately I don't have with me now, but the Organization for Veterinary Behaviorists recommends puppy training classes because so many dogs are given up because of behavior problems and so many behavior problems that are related to a lack of socialization. I need to have those numbers available at my fingertips, but it's such an overwhelming percentage. Yes. The number of dogs given up or euthanized or killed by running away, whatever, is astronomical problem. Yeah, I just spoke to somebody recently, and they had to send, it was a St. Bernard, and it was, she was aggressive, and it went back to a home where she came from. They knew this dog, but I kind of asked history, because I've had it since a puppy. And one thing, once I started talking, never socialized. Was always in the house, was always in the backyard, would take short walks around the neighborhood, but never socialized to people or other dogs. So he was, she was attacking people. That time up until about 14 weeks, just shy of four months, Mm -hmm. that is critical. They're little sponges. Mm -hmm. And that is the best time to fill their heads and their emotional responses and everything with good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the number of dogs put down or given up because they didn't get their heads filled with good stuff during that time is way higher right than the dogs that get sick and die because of parvo now yeah. we're talking yeah. about organized puppy classes not the dog park no that's not an organ yeah. no yeah organized puppy classes it will be all puppies in class all should have had at least two sets of vaccines but they don't have mm. to have all of them and the instructor's dogs who are there are healthy and well socialized but the dog park is unknowns. You don't know if the dog is friendly to puppies. You don't know if the dogs have been vaccinated. You don't know if everybody's scoop poop. You don't know if anybody's sick. Mm. So not dog park socialization, but organized puppy class. An organized puppy class is kindergarten or preschool right. And right. with structure and format and checking. Right. A dog park is taking your your young child to a mosh pit and throwing them in and going, hey, learn about life. Right. Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
But then yes. also taking your puppy out to walk around and let people come up and greet your puppy. Sure. And you learn how to do that correctly. Yes. By going mm-hmm. to puppy kindergarten mm-hmm. and learn. So there's so much to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's so necessary for a puppy that right. I can't believe this myth is still. But we still get we calls. We believe all the time. All the time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Time. Our next myth. Oh, he has a behavior problem. Send him to a trainer. Well, that is so generic. It's like, what's the behavior? And yeah. the trainer may not resolve it. And it might be a behaviorist. Which is, I think, what's good in this article. Don't just go into the penny saver or whatever and just look for somebody who claims to be a behaviorist. There's what, one way that I recommend people get help often is call your veterinarian or call several local veterinarians. Mm-hmm. And ask who they recommend. Many behaviors can be solved with plain group obedience training. Obedience training, a good quality class, is going to teach you how to teach your own dog, how to communicate with your dog, and the basic exercises. And most trainers, I think, nowadays in their classes also do some problem prevention and problem solving. If it's a serious problem or it's multiple problems and you're tearing your hair out, then ask your veterinarian for a referral to a behaviorist. And there's Mm -hmm. two different kinds. You can have a veterinary behaviorist or an applied behaviorist, which is often a trainer who also does behavior. The one one site they mention in this is the American Veterinary Society of of Animal Behaviorists website. And that's the one who recommends puppy classes. (laughs) There you go. We're back to socialization now. So maybe behavior would have been somewhat prevented if you started early. (laughs) Prevention is always easier than treatment. But uh, this list was compiled by a vet. And her number one myth is I'm embarrassed to talk about my veterinarian about my dog's behavior. I'm afraid I'm the cause of the problem. So that's, again, a lens seeing the, right. the world through a certain... Sometimes, yes, the owner does need to get out of the dog's way. Yes. But sometimes there are medical conditions, and quite right. frequently somebody will call me and I'll say, all right, your step number one is to go back to your vet, describe the problem, and ask them, is there a medical condition that could be causing this irritability, right. frequent urination in the house. Mm-hmm. Right. Some of these are medical conditions, not right. not behavioral, not the dog acting and, out. And some of those medical conditions goes right into this other myth saying about chasing their tail, spinning in circles, chasing their tail constantly, licking their paws, all that. You know, it may not be, you don't go to a trainer to fix that. could be something else that your vet needs to help you out with. I think trainers and vets should work together. Yes. Yeah. And I think we've talked Ours does. I think we've talked previously that probably 20% of all behavior problems and now I'm not just saying simply dashing out the front door and jumping on people, but serious behavior problems. Fully 20% of those have a medical or a veterinary cause, whether it be a thyroid problem, reaction to a medication, urinary tract problem, uh, senile dementia in older dogs. Mm -hmm. There's many, many things that can Mm -hmm. cause behavior problems. And then when you go, if you do decide to go to a trainer, get recommendations, go through your vet. But like us, how many times have we found a dog and they're getting frustrated, but once we start, we watch the dog and we start studying it, we notice there might be a hearing issue. 
There might be a vision issue. Or we limping. Bring, or li- something, all of a sudden we'll notice it and we'll tell them and then uh, bring this information, go to your vet and oh, get tested. Do you remember the woman who had me out because her dog wouldn't walk around her house correctly and wouldn't get in and out of her car? Yeah. So she thought the dog was misbehaving and being stubborn. And I got there and the dog had an eye problem. Sure, yeah. To go from one rug to the other was crossing the Grand Canyon for that dog. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so as soon as I said that, she went off and found a specialist. Uh, that changed their whole relationship. Right, right. She thought the dog was being bad. Disobedient, exactly. Right, right. And yeah. that wasn't the yeah. case at all. And we see a number of dogs with hearing defects. Hearing, lately, hearing defects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, lots of them. And once we explain that to the owners, all of a sudden you see them going, <gasps> Oh, no, I understand. And, right. we, you know, go check it out with the vet yeah. and then we'll help you yeah. where you want to go. All right. Well, here's another one that we hear about often. And unfortunately, we've seen it misrepresented with a TV trainer also. Dogs that are aggressive are acting dominant. Some <laughs> dominant dogs are aggressive. Sure. But... The vast majority of aggressive dogs are probably more fearful mm-hmm. than dominant. dominant. In the dog society, the dominant dog is often the calmest, the coolest, the most collected. The dominant dog conveys so they handle themselves, they carry with body, themselves. Language. body language. And yeah. of the male dogs in our group, Bashir is the more dominant. Mm-hmm. It's shared in certain ways, but is the more dominant. And we've seen him so many times, especially now that we have three adolescents in the mm-hmm. trainer's pack. Bashir will look at one, make eye contact, turn, and pose, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And the puppy goes, oh, oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So the dominant dog is generally the calmest and the coolest. Mm -hmm. Rarely does a dominant dog truly have to be aggressive. We saw a lot, remember, with our past dogs, Ursa and Shasta. Oh, yeah. They weren't aggressive, but it was just the way they handled themselves. Everything. A dog would go, oh, got it. Okay. So when we see aggressive dogs, either in, in our that may show up for group class or in private training or behavior consults, the first thing we look at, besides a potential health issue, is a case history, what's happened in the past, and then three fear issues. Because fearful dogs are much more apt to be aggressive. Fearful, I think, my experience is I've gotten bit or threatened to get bit much more often by a fearful dog right. than by a truly aggressive dog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Truly assertive, aggressive says, "Don't do that, or I'll bite you." They, right. they let you know. Oh yeah, a fearful mm-hmm. dog goes, "Ah, bite you!" Oh, yeah, what did I just do? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm scared. I'm going to get hurt, or I'm going to get killed, or or something is beyond my ability to cope. So I bite. So in other words, if that's not the cause, then dominating them is not the cure. No, no, no. Right, exactly. One I have is uh, some punishment is required to teach dogs proper behavior. <laughs> I love that. It's not today's topic. But. Well, it, 
Punishment is a loaded phrase. Yes. It is. And you must beat your dog and then hit him with a cattle prod before he can that's, learn anything. That's kind of like yeah. the old question. That, have when did you, you stop beating your Beating wife? your wife, yeah. When did you stop beating? When did you stop beating your dog? The term that I much prefer use is interrupt bad behavior. Because, yes, punishing the dog after the fact won't work. When you come home from work and your dog is acting guilty and you go out and you found that he's dug up your backyard, dragging him to the hole and shaking his, his nose in it or, or shaking whatever. the stuffing out of him yeah. is not going to work. No, no, your dog is simply going to be afraid of you. However, if you catch him in the act of digging and interrupt him, ah, what are you doing? Then think about what to do instead, like get him more exercise give him a place to dig in the backyard where he's allowed to dig and teach him how to use it. A variety of those things can handle the problem instead. But punishment, no. Interruption, yes. I've become, I lean towards corrections. Sure. Correction to me incorporates interrupting the behavior as it's happening Mm -hmm. and then showing them the correct way. Way A correction shows them this is the correct way instead. And but you got to interrupt. Yeah. And sure. you got to get their attention. Right. And so that can range from a uh-uh to uh, whatever, spray yeah. bottle or yeah. something. But yes, punishment is a loaded term. Mm-hmm. And it generally, for most dog owners, I think it refers to things that happen afterwards. You get stringing a... You them, get or a, stringing them up on his choke chain. Oh, Sure. But you get a traffic ticket because you've been speeding. Your punishment is when you go to court and have to pay that fine. It's a punishment after the fact. Yeah. We can learn from that, but the dog doesn't. And if the getting the ticket was an interruption, yes, then it's the possibility of a future interruption right. that makes you slow down. Right. And that, to me, is perfectly reasonable to a dog. Yeah. If you never tell them this is wrong behavior, then I think they're entirely justified to go, well, you never said I couldn't do it. Yeah. I'll yeah, keep really. doing it. <laughs> right. Exactly. That, that's exactly Especially what I if saw you today. don't tell him what a reward, what he can do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Show but, him yeah. the proper the, way. The, the woman today was very upset with her dog's behavior. Have you ever told him? Well, no, I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Well, don't you hurt his feelings? Because now you're resenting him and you're not taking for as many walks and all the above. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, but that's my problem. I mean, it's just all muddled. Yeah. Why not tell him, I don't want you to do this. This is what I do want you to do. And then spend your time praising him. Right. Be fair to him. Right. Right. So stay tuned. Take a listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Sit. Stay. It's a doggy dog world. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, more to be exact. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. 
go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash world, W-O-R-L-D, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. The world has changed. One in five relationships now begin on an online dating site. And while you never know where things will lead, Match.com has led to more dates, more relationships, and more marriages than any other site. Join today. Pet Life Radio listeners get 25% off the price of a membership. Just go to mevio.match.com and enter the code DOGGY, D-O-G-G-Y. That's M-E-V-I-O dot M-A-T-C-H dot com and enter the code DOGGY to get 25% off Match.com. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're begging for more. So back to It's a Doggy Dog World with your fetching hosts, Liz Palaika and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Welcome back to It's a Doggy Dog World. We're talking about several different behavior myths or misunderstandings that we often hear about. We here at Kindred Spirits Dog Training do use treats as a training tool. We do not use only treats, but we think treats are a very important part of the training process because they can be used both as a lure and as a reward. And... Most dogs are motivated by treats. Now, if we have a dog come in that is not motivated by treats, we'll dig out a squeaky toy or or a smelly toy or something like that. But most dogs are motivated by treats. But we do occasionally get the dog owner in who says, I want my dog to be good for me, not just the food. And if I have food, then he'll only be good if I have food. Only if I bribe him. And we just had a student. Right. One of the recent right. classes. Right. That did I don't that. want to have to bribe my dog all the time. Mm-hmm. You should do it because it's the right thing to do. They had the most mm-hmm. difficult time teaching that dog. Well, everybody else was actually a couple weeks ahead of them where yeah. they should have been, but they didn't want to use treats. Right. Treats are a training tool, just mm-hmm. like any other training tool, which could be a leash, a collar, a no-pull harness, anything. Our voice is a training tool. Yeah. 
yeah, a good dog is a training tool. Clickers are training tools. Training tools come in all sizes, shapes, and and require a number of different techniques. A treat is a training tool. We know through practice and studies that a dog who's taught with treats learns faster. The treat can, when used as a lure, can help shape him into position to help Mm -hmm. him do something. So then we can reward him. Because otherwise we would either have to wait for him to do it and catch him, or we would have to force him into position or force him into doing it. So using a treat as a lure shortcuts many, many training steps. Using a food as a reward gets his attention. Ha! Swiss cheese! Yeah! Okay, you got Swiss cheese! (laughs) And we all have favorite training tools. My dogs like, there's a woman in Montana who makes cookies, Jill cookies. She has one that are yam and sweet potato, and my dogs go nuts over yam and sweet potato Jill cookies. You'd think that they'd like liver. They like yam and sweet potato Jill cookies. But a favorite of mine is also Swiss cheese because it has a strong smell. And that helps get the dog's attention. So depends on what your dog needs. Motivation is important. Right. Oh, definitely. But that doesn't mean you have to use them forever. Once your dog knows the exercise is a trick, then you put the food on an intermediate, a random basis. He gets a treat for the best spin or the best play bow or the best sit. And then once he gets it even better, he knows it even more, then he gets praise and no treat. But bring back the treat when you're teaching something new. Exactly. I know this guy that the people are in class with us, they just wouldn't use treats. And I'm like, so you both work, right? Yes. Well, don't you get a paycheck? Well, yes. Was that your reward? Yes. Well, now we can take the paycheck away. And then what do you think? (laughs) They'd be like, that's not a good idea. (laughs) It's like, well, there you go. Give him a paycheck. Okay. But, but I give him a shelter and I feed him every day. He doesn't give a rest. There's no connection. (laughs) There's nothing connected. There's no immediate connection between behavior and that payoff. (laughs) Yep. Unless they make it. And then that's one of the things when someone takes in a new dog or gets a puppy is you have them earn each bit of food they get from your hand for a while. Well, and that that brings up another myth. If you feed your dog by hand, you're spoiling him. Uh, oh, that that was true. very yeah. common a number yeah. of years ago, and I, I think we still hear that. Whereas psychologically to the dog, the giver of the food is the most important person on the planet, which is an, another reason why we don't like free feeding. Or, yeah, <laughs> or the, uh, I don't give my dog people food. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always love that. Really? Yeah. yeah. What did your dog survive on for thousands of years? (laughs) I'm thinking, you know, when they went out and caught that deer, that was venison. That's people food, too. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We can't eat this one. It's marked people food. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yeah, they don't run around with a sign on the sides. There's there's a lot of myths pertaining to dog behavior. (laughs) And food. And food. Because food is a very integral to our soul, how we view the world sort of thing. Right. As we all know. So, any more myths? Uh, oh, my dog is either aggressive or fearful or shy. Pick whatever. Because she was abused. Oh, we we see that in 
two places. Puppies were abused or rescued, Rescues. adopted dogs were abused. Yeah. That's where and, Kate gets on her soap opera. And, and oh, man. I, I like... Soap opera box? Soap box. Soap box. But I do like your explanation for it. Well, the first thing I did, why are you making them carry all of that weight? All that emotional baggage. Yeah. yeah. Dog, and plus yeah. dogs don't think in the past. It's over. <laughs> and I, okay, let's give a paradigm. Let's look at it through a different lens. Let's say that your dog was abused, thrown into the trash can, beaten half to death. Goodness sakes, it's a survivor. Isn't that wonderful that your puppy dog had the, the grit and the depth of courage to come back after all of that and survive? Let's challenge them to do even more in their life. Let's go for it. And people are like, what? Yeah, really. No, wait a minute. I was going to throw rose rose petals as they walk for the rest of their lives so they would never have to suffer again. (laughs) But no. Mm -hmm. Why are you... (laughs) Well, and I I like your your phrase, too. Don't throw them a pity party. Yeah. It's just... I always think of a friend of a friend who was saying that she just... Her emotional abuse when she was a child, she just has so much luggage to carry. And I couldn't help it. I finally said, did you mean baggage? And my close friend leaned over and goes, well, yes, but she's so special. She doesn't just have baggage. She has luggage. (laughs) (laughs) So I do think for some people, they need to elevate the martyrdom to a certain point to make it all worthwhile. I don't know. It puts a heavy burden that the dog has to carry. And it's not worth it to them no they're not throwing a pity party for themselves and we shouldn't and it's not the best way to help them enjoy life either exactly so i don't care if they were abused or not and the fact is what i can say for surety is that if you treat a dog as though they had been abused and that it needs they need to be made up to because of that then they will glory in it and play that martyr card forever because it works for them. Sure. And we've all had rescue dogs. We've all had dogs that were a little bit older. I mean, Archer, for example, who's a working therapy and service dog. We were his fourth home by the time he was five months old. Yeah. Now, granted, he wasn't physically abused. He was well-loved in all of his homes but he had been kept as a show dog puppy and then wasn't show quality. He had an underbite. And one of those elusive little testicles didn't want to come down. But because he had been through so many homes in such a short period of time, he was hesitant to bond with people. It's not physical abuse, but to him it was emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And it took us a while to get him over that. But we didn't go, oh, poor baby. We went, hey, it's a new life. Come on, enjoy it, have fun. Life's good here. And he did. He didn't walk around going, oh, poor me. I love the stickers or magnets for your cars or whatever that say, my dog rescued me or or, who rescued whom. Right, right. I love that because, yes. Yes. That's the difference between being a slave to a martyr. Right. Which doesn't help. The, martyrs right. are really hard to live with. You know? yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know any saints. <laughs> I'm just, just they've got to be a pain in everyday life. <laughs> you know? Um, and I don't want to live with a saint or a martyr. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. 
yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about it around no. here. Oh, no, good. No, not at all. Good. No. <laughs> None of us are saints. <laughs> And I don't think any of us are martyrs. Well, we, we may try martyrdom every now and then, but it doesn't work <laughs> no, for long. No, it gets laughed at. All right. Well, I think on that note, we'll uh, we'll call it off for this uh, podcast. I hope we've given you something to think about. And we'll be back again in a couple more weeks. So tune yeah. in. With no saints or martyrs here. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life well find out everything you're begging to know as pet life radio presents it's a doggy dog world with pet expert and award-winning author liz palaika every dog has his day and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on petliferadio.com